0: Welcome to this podcast series on Neo-Charismatic Leadership with author, leadership expert and coach Dr. Gada Angawi and executive leader Martin Headley, where they will both explore the recently published book Neo-Charismatic Leadership and the coaching topics it covers. Martin, we are here today on our fourth episode and about to explore with our listeners the prerequisites of new charismatic leadership. After we rolled up our sleeves and dug into the last two episodes exploring the definition and its implications, I would like to start by asking a few questions that our listeners can reflect on while we are having this discussion. So, what does a leader, in your understanding, look like in terms of their personality and how they come across?
1: Okay, good question, Gada, because so many of the uh, uh, existing documents and writings out there don't really don't really address personality so much. So, at first, uh, when you spoke to me about this, I had to think really long and hard. But I think the most important thing that I notice about their personality is that they are confident and honest and that their ideas make sense. Okay. So that is, um, in a way, their ideas make sense, perhaps more so because they are confident and honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you have less, um, less of a level of comfort with somebody who doesn't appear to be confident, for example. Um, okay. And then beyond that, there is a passion for the area of common interest. So whatever it is that has brought the two of us together Mm. to work on, um, you know, they must be as passionate as I am about it or almost as so, so that I can actually believe that they want to make the same change that I'm basically signing up to follow them for.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. And I I think that's uh, uh, very important. The third thing I noted was that they take a genuine interest, though, in those with them and around them. Mm. So, you know, it's great to see them treating me and others like me who are following them very, very well, very nicely. But it also matters how that leader treats other people as well. Mm. So, you know, it's not it's definitely not winning at all cost. It is winning, but trying to find a benefit for everybody else as well um and those three things that i've mentioned tend to fall down if that leader does not have a track record over time of actually making these things happen so that that is perhaps not a personality trait um you know f- going back to your question but i think what happens is how i see the leader's personality after a while if things don't start to happen tends to change and so then I consider that you know, they don't really have the personality to lead.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's mainly about the influence they have over their followers. And, and this doesn't happen overnight. It just develops through what you've just mentioned.
1: Very much so. Mm. It does. It does build upon itself. And you have a short period of time Probably, well, I suppose it depends on the size of the goal, but I would say you have a short period of time of say maybe two to three months to really enroll mm. team members e- in, into whatever it is that you're doing,
0: yes, um, wholeheartedly. Yeah,
1: yeah. but mm-hmm. um, you know, then if you can imagine it on a graph, your skills and the way people perceive you is going up slowly and slowly over that over that three months. It gets to an acceptable point where most people are willing to follow. Um, but that's the point you can also mm. lose it yeah. as well. So if if nothing is happening or there's just lots and lots of talk but yes. no real action then that starts to go down again. And so um, So, the way you perceive their personality has then changed.
0: So there is this balance between the culture of how they interact together and how they communicate, and then the achievements or the productivity or the performance, say, of uh, how this leader pushes things forward uh, in terms of, um, of an outcome. That's great. Uh, my second question is Is this image exclusive to a color, race, gender, age, or status? How can you start to challenge your own biases?
1: That is a, a very significant question, especially with what's going on around us right now, I think. Um, very, very timely, too. You know, I would love to say that it makes no difference color, race, gender, age, national origin, you you know, you you list all of the so-called protected characteristics and um, you say, well, it shouldn't make any difference. Well, perhaps on the surface, it doesn't. You know, somebody who comes to me, uh, for example, I mean, you know, you and I started working together. You're from Saudi Arabia, I'm from the UK and have lived a lot in the US. So we come from very different backgrounds, different cultures and everything. But in a relatively short period of time, we had established a relationship between ourselves, which was built on mutual respect and understanding of what it is that we were trying to achieve mm-hmm. and the changes that we were trying to make in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, I I don't think that on the face of it that makes much difference.
0: Yeah.
1: Below that, however, there's this insidious uh, what they call unconscious bias that we all have, whether we want to admit it or not. Yeah. Um, and this is hard to look at. So, you know, what we've got to do is say, well, you know, is that leader doing something that I wouldn't agree with? Because in their culture, that's acceptable.
0: Yeah,
1: um, and are they doing it because you know, with their national origin or whatever it happens to be, that's that's what I consider to be normal for them. The question should should then go down and say, well, am I sort of in agreement with what that culture tends to believe or what that culture is trying to achieve? Mm. And if I'm not, can I actually follow this person or? the other way around, could they actually follow me? See, that gets into a much deeper level of questioning. Mm. And, you know, whilst the first two to three months may be fine working with a leader, you know, you may notice things in, during that yeah. period of time and say, gosh, that's not acceptable. And you have to you have to start saying, well, wait a minute, why do I think it's not mm. acceptable? Is it a cultural difference? Is it a social difference, you know, that I'm not aware of? And, <clears throat> it, you know, yeah irrespective of of race and um and sex and things what i've noticed between groups e- even amongst very homogeneous groups of of white men and women working together is that if there's a huge socioeconomic get divide between those two people you know, there might as well be a a racial or um, religious divide or whatever ha- what have you okay because You know, that can happen in any group. Mm. So that's why I say you really have to take a look at your unconscious biases Mm. before you can really begin to lead. And of course, the implication of of that to the leader, right, is, okay, if people aren't following you or people are hesitating, then you have got to confront this head on and say, I think there might be a cultural difference between us that is making you not comfortable with me and I would like hmm. to resolve that. Okay. And then yes. perhaps, perhaps both can make adjustments, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the way I, I um, see that.
0: I'm also an intercultural uh, communication expert. And, uh-huh. and yes. <laughs> I do ca- these kinds of assessments <laughs> and in my work with teams and leaders, this comes at the upfront of any engagement. Um, when I start looking at, the communication style and how people behave around each other, the body language and how they arrive to decisions or, or even resolve conflicts. There is always this element of uh, cultural differences. And it's not just about uh, a geographical location or a gender or, or a race. It's also in the same culture, in the same geographical location. People differ. Two homes are different. Two companies are different. Uh, Two professions have the two different cultures. It is biases that we are unconscious of. Does really require a lot of self-awareness from a leader, mm-hmm. which is something we're going to talk about in, in this episode. And it does also require coaching. Yes. Which is something we're going to talk about later very important. as we mm-hmm. move on. So my third question, what do you believe about your own ability to lead, Martin?
1: <clears> hmm. <throat> That's, yes, that's very interesting, isn't it? Now it it comes home to, um, you know, a very pointed question, personal question, (laughs) so one has to think about it. I believe my ability to lead has taken a lot of learning and practice, okay? Um, Oddly enough, it took a mentor, which I think I've described before earlier in the podcast, it took a mentor to really point out to me that you know do you want to lead all you've got to do is say you're going to lead and people will believe you mm. um and so if you like from the day that somebody actually gave me permission to lead um I've been a, a leader in training mm. i have i haven't stopped um i learn more and more about it every day but th- the interesting thing there is of course each individual has the ability to lead everybody and it depends more upon our circumstances and the need for a leader at the time rather than who's actually going to lead. So obviously I think anybody who just steps up to lead um is immediately a leader in training and there's and people will follow them just because they've done that. Mm. At times the amount of response that I've got and the level of willingness of people to follow me has taken me by surprise. You know and so I would encourage those that are listening thinking gosh you know I really not sure if I could be a leader or Mm. I'm not sure if I'm ready. Um, The answer is yes, you can be. And yes, you are ready, but it's a lifelong journey. And you know, you're never going to be a perfect leader. Probably until the day you die. Yes. My ability is derived from others seeing and agreeing what I feel should be done. Mm. So what happens, that's what starts it. Okay. And so if I'm thinking of doing something different, I float an idea mm. and I see if people respond to that idea. And if this, if this, uh, okay, it's a nice idea and nobody's really excited, then I know that I'm not hitting on something that is needed right then. Mm. Okay. Unless I'm totally convinced that it's the next big thing and everybody needs it and they just don't know, but that's rare. Okay. Normally I'm going to float an idea and if, if people... Are interested in it that's good, but they've they've got to sort of show some passion too. That's when I learned it was time for me to start putting in some serious effort into leading that yeah. role and then the the final thing that I think uh I've noticed about about my leadership is it's not always tied to an income generating opportunity mm-hmm. you know if if the only t- reason that you want to lead or the only opportunity you have to lead uh, just happens to be an income-generating opportunity, then great. But if you're going to learn, if you're really going to become that neo charismatic leader, you're going to have to. Do, you're going to have to lead in a lot of different situations. Yeah. So you're going to have to lead in the community. Um, you're going to have to lead, you know, within your religion. If you happen to be religious, you have to lead in your community. Um, you know, it could be education. It could be uh, many, many different areas.
0: In any communication, you have to lead. I mean, even now we're having this communication. Somehow, you have to step up and say something or interact with the other person, or if there is a situation at home where you need to you know take the lead, uh, pick up yourself and 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 go to a child's room and just sit with them and and you know lead the conversation, lead them out of their uh, you know mood. this is this is normal, and it happens every day. But we don't notice, we don't think it's leadership when we label it as different uh, labels, Mm -hmm. but it is actually leadership. So I suggest uh, that our listeners really consider every kind of interaction as an opportunity to practice their leadership, even at a small scale, uh, and then reflect on how it went. Yes. And how it felt. Yeah, the
1: the reflection Mm -hmm. is so important. Um, when I think about my leadership the you know, the view of others about me is important for me to hear. So feedback is important for me. It doesn't mean it's always right. Okay. But it is always feedback and it needs to be thought of. So in some respects, you know, what you've described, um, a parent is a leader because a parent, you know, will sit with a child and work through an issue. So, you know, all of us in our family relationships, Get a little taste of leadership. We just don't call it that. And I think it, you know, it it does, it serves us well to go back and think well, you know, as a parent, or, you know, if you're not a parent yet, how did my parents handle particular situations? And, you know, did I ever give them feedback? If you've got a tiny baby, it's gonna give you feedback because it's gonna scream until you <laughs> until you until you solve the yeah. problem, right? <laughs> um but you know, for, fortunately when we're all adults, we don't we don't react like that. But um I think you know that the uh the key point here is we have to develop our leadership abilities from our own core, what's inside us, not from what others may want or the context that we exist in. So while the timing has to be something that other people are interested in, the leadership has to come from what's inside of you and me and yeah. everybody else it cannot It cannot be superimposed
0: yes. uh, this is interesting because while we influence others in our leadership, which means we have to get some feedback to help us improve, we also are conscious of our own effort in leading others, so this is the balance between what is coming from my core and how do I perceive others and, and, you know, mm-hmm. reflect back on them.
1: So you've been probing me a little bit, um, to, to find some of the prerequisites on, on my leadership journey, if you like. Um, let's move now to talk about the prerequisites that you've noted in your research. Uh, we all need to understand the foundations, you know, so that we can have something to build on.
0: Yeah. So This is an indirect outcome of observing leaders, new charismatic leaders in action beside the research, but also uh, as I coached leaders, this was coming out, out of the coaching sessions. There are three things that I have noticed that are very important for any leader to step up to a new charismatic leadership. Number one, you've just spoke about it. It's the self-awareness and ability to direct your own thoughts and emotions in the moment. Some call it presence, Other call it mindfulness. I just simply like the word awareness, self-awareness, being aware of your own, what's yes. happening in your head. That, mm-hmm.
1: That's a very understandable yeah. word. I think for everybody listening, we'll, we'll yeah, get that. simple. And you that's know, important. Simple.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I feel this, I think this and I am thinking this right now, and I don't know why I'm thinking this, but I'm thinking this right now. And it's like, you know, having that dialogue in your head about your thoughts and emotions. Yes. Silently, of course, right. nobody's I- going to hear you. It's, it's inside your head, but you're not <laughs> diverted away from it. So the, the difference between being self-aware and just aware, self-aware is more of I am hearing and seeing and, and keeping myself in that. Space mm-hmm. for some time, not running away from my thoughts or trying to change um, physically the location or, or do something else so that I could divert or, or, you know, distract myself from that thought. I sit with it. Yes. I accept it, and I live with it for a while, mm-hmm. and you know, I resolve it. So that's number one for a leader; it's a must. And the number two is the empathy. Not empathetic listening. Empathetic listening can be faked. It's like step number one into empathy. But empathy itself, it's inside you. It sits in. You relate to the world through empathy. Mm -hmm. You empathize even if that person is on TV or just walking, you know, away from you or doing something. You have no relationship with them. You you still empathize. You feel it.
1: Yes, that that is um, a great point because... The, the sort of fake empathy um, will actually destroy you as a leader very, very quickly. Uh, people recognise that you don't really care about something. Um,
0: Caring, you know, yes. yeah. Concern. What,
1: one clever trick that I was taught early on in my career was to, um, you know, just pick up the news for a day on, on the television or the radio or something, and you know, very often they're there are sort of controversial people on the news and they said, just try and listen to the news with the single objective of understanding that person's point of view, whether you agree with it or Hmm. not. And Mm -hmm. you know, the first time I did it, I thought, Oh, this is hard. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Then then you you get better and better at it. But what, what you're doing is you're beginning to realize that, you know, people do things for reasons which may or may not be good. Um, But in many cases, they actually did do something for a good reason, but it didn't turn out so well. And so everybody, particularly in the media, is very happy to jump on them. Um, But, you know, there is you sitting there saying, "Okay, I don't agree with this person politically. Um, I don't like the business that they're in. I don't like lots of things about it. So now I'm going to sit down and try and appreciate their point of view. Yeah. That will teach you empathy.
0: Yeah. And number three is having a personal, noble goal, which we call vision, Mm -hmm. which we call purpose. So first of all, you have to develop these three skills, and then come to a new charismatic leadership, ready to be a new charismatic leader.
1: Okay, that's good. Three is not too hard a number to to deal with. Um, You know, again, (laughs) part of what we're doing here is trying to make it as easy as we can for our listeners to to self-develop isn't it so um what i've noticed though is the self-awareness empathy and the personal vision or, or noble goal um those um there's a lot of information already about that because if i'm uh not incorrect aren't those key parts of emotional intelligence measured by eq
0: Yes, definitely. And the research proves it. And we're not going far from from these things. We're just emphasizing that it is a prerequisite. It requires uh, a really high level of emotional intelligence uh, from a leader. Uh, It requires a level of cultural intelligence as well, which is the awareness we spoke about, about other cultures and your own biases.
1: Very good. Mm So um, we'll wrap this up into the original discussion with altruism and ethical standards. How would you define altruism then uh, in in a behavioural? So
0: altruism is not a prerequisite. It is a developed orientation. It is part of you. It is your core. If you are altruistic or you're egoistic, shades of altruism and egoism, and, and in situations you can be this or you can be that. The essence of it that it is something that you can develop and increase in yourself with the increased empathy and awareness and uh, the noble goal. Uh, you'll be sure to harness your uh, altruistic or egoistic uh, tendencies.
1: Until next time, Garda, thanks very much and thank you to our listeners.
0: Thank you. Garda and Martin, hope you enjoyed this episode. There is more information available at neocharismaticleadership.org. And if you would like to discuss coaching or training for yourself or your team, you can contact Garda and Martin through the website. We look forward to your participation next week. Until then, goodbye.